Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. How did you become aware of, of that name before we go into some detail on who he is? Sure. Yeah. I had. Um a friend of mine, someone that um, I trust very much, um, who, you know, played amateur hockey in Chicago. Um, knowing that I do quite a bit of reporting on, um, you know, sexual abuse in sports and um, some of the thornier issues in hockey, um, he gave me a call about three, four months ago um, and said, hey, this is a guy that we've always heard about um, growing up. And there were always rumors, and some of the rumors stemmed from his time in Minnesota, and some of the rumors are from when he coached amateurs here, and I think you really ought to look into him. And so that's how it started. Um, and so I went from there. I made a few calls that day. It was a Saturday. And um, within two or three phone calls, it became very clear to me that there was quite a bit of substance behind that tip. Um, and that this was a project that could probably keep me pretty busy for a long time. And indeed, and as as you point out in your piece uh, at theathletic.com, three-month investigation, over 100 interviews, accounts from former players, coaches, hockey officials, and parents who intersected with uh, Adratas, um, as well as many others. Let's start with the name Mike Sachs, because it is a very prominent name, a big part of of your reporting, uh, your on-the-record uh, reporting in terms of what he told you. Who is Mike Sachs? Yeah, so Mike Sachs um, is now a 52-year-old former hockey player, but um, at the time that he um, first intersected with Adratus, he was a junior, a teenage junior hockey player. Um, he was a, a very promising one, Um big defenseman that had um, quite a bit of potential and was playing up, you know, an age group with, you know, with a few different hockey teams in the suburban Chicago area. Um, he came on to Adratus' radar and, and he recruited him um, to try out for his team. Um, and, you know, what happened there as, Mike described it, you know, very courageously and, you know, adeptly is, um, you know, years worth of grooming and cultivating a relationship um, where Adratus really both exploited the trust of him and his family. Um, he eventually obtained legal guardianship of this player, moved him into his house in suburban Chicago. Um, and when Mike... Um, tried out for the St. Paul Vulcans um, in the Twin Cities area and made that team, uh, Adratus essentially followed him. He got a, an assistant coaching job at the University of Minnesota and um, lived with him there as well. Are, are you? Well, let, so, let me ask you a quick, inter, if I can intercede here quickly. Do you come to the conclusion that literally Adratus, the only reason 
He pursued an opening to be an assistant coach, University of Minnesota, was to follow Sachs there, or is there more to that part of the story? I, I, the probably short answer is I don't know. Um, the more complicated answer is I'm not sure we'll ever know um, without you know hearing from him on this. What I can say is, um, while I think that there was at the very least that played a role, um, it would also I'd be remiss if I didn't point out the fact that you know the Gophers were obviously a premier program in the country, and he was very much um, a highly regarded up-and-coming coach. And um, I know that, you know, the according to people within the program that brought him in, you know, there were some things about him that were appealing and that he was known as a bit of a goalie guru and had, you know, sh- recruiting connections in the suburban Chicago area. So I, I don't think it was um, uniformly because he wanted to follow um, Sachs, I, I think it was a confluence of events that happened um, and kept Sachs, uh, unfortunately, under his care. And in, when you say under his care, that goes well beyond what most of us would describe as care. As you say, there have been a lot of uh, grooming. Um, how, how do we even begin to, to describe then the, 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 the sexual activity that uh, was a part of that relationship for a while, at least, without I think um, uh, Sack even Sack even realizing who was involved in it. How how do we describe that? How how do we begin to talk about that? Sure, and just to clarify, when I when I said care, yes. what I meant is um, Adonis was his legal guardian, right. and so he was responsible for him as a position um, and figure of authority as well. But in in talking about the um, alleged sexual acts. Um, you know, Adratus, according to several of his former players, not just Sachs, um, would essentially approach these um, young men, and I don't know exactly how um, explicit I can be on your show, but would essentially offer to procure a young woman to come over and perform sexual acts on them, um, provided the caveat that they remain blindfolded, in some cases bound, always in a darkened room, and under the agreement that they would not touch her. Um, And, you know, you have to remember these are, you know, these are teenagers, these are kids, um, and they have a relationship with their coach where they really trust their coach. um, And they assume that their coach, as a coach should, should ideally be, um, has their best interest in mind. And so, um, yes, in, in Jax's case and in, in multiple other cases, um, these young men, unfortunately, they, they became unwitting participants in, in their own sexual abuse. Katie Strang, the athletic, is our guest on The Fan. Um, that the, what, what, he, what, what Sax provides to you in detail includes the so-called Sheila, right? In fact, I think this goes back to when they were together in Chicago, that Sheila was the one who would be performing these acts, correct? And that he told you, Sachs told you that um, that then Sachs is told once he travels to, to, to the Minneapolis-St. Paul area um, and is followed by his coach, hey, uh, funny break for, for you and for us, Sheila is going to be up here, was I think going to nursing school, something like that. So Sheila, the so-called Sheila, was following 
um, these two individuals to Minneapolis-St. Paul. That's at least what he continued to sell to Sachs, correct? Yes, and, and that was also um, that also tracks with stories that other players have told me as well about um, how he tried to reconcile the fact that this young woman was available um, to call both in the Chicago area and um, in the Minneapolis area as well. And you, this in great detail, with great reporting depth, um, talked to several players from the 84-85 University of Minnesota team as well. What did they tell you they remembered about Adratas and even the these sorts of allegations? Yeah, um, you know, members of that team were, I'd just like to say, exceptionally helpful to me. Um you know, when you report a story like this, it can be very disturbing, um, very depressing. But um, I think the reason they were so helpful um, is because I think they really, um, at the time, um, really were upset on behalf of some of their teammates that were harmed in a really awful way. And as adults, in retrospect, now really wanted to help and stand up for and support um that teammate. And, um, that was, you know, really touching to me. I, I was really blown away by, um, their willingness to help in that way. And, um, what they, what they told me is, you know, this happened under the Brad Buto regime and right. to a man, um, I'll, I'll also say that they all felt that Brad had no idea about this. Um, and that, you know, but Brad was a very rigid, strict disciplinarian. And so um, Adratus kind of created for himself a natural foil role. Where he was younger, he was more gregarious. Um, he was able to sort of more naturally cultivate um, a friendly relationship with players. Um, and that's what he used to sort of, you know, exploit those trusting relationships and approach guys um, individually to ask if they you know, we're, we're willing to take them up on this offer, right? And um, so word kind of would circulate around, and, and people were aware that was, this was kind of happening in, in kind of oblique terms, maybe not explicit, um, and that, you know, players started to kind of suspect that something was off and was not quite right, and that, um, you know, when, when they had were able to discern what they felt was going on, um, that they did something about it, and um, they went to, you know, people went to the athletic director and, and told them. Let's uh, Specifically from your piece, I want to read directly. According to several players from that team, Adratus approached players, always individually, at their stalls within the locker room, raving about a woman named Sheila, who gave the best, and I'm going to fix the language here, oral sex you've ever had. He conveyed one caveat to players, deal was you had to be blindfolded, your hands behind your back, that, to me, Tony Kellen, who was a junior defenseman on that team, told you right away it creeped me out, kind of a creepy guy, always rubbed me wrong, asked me a couple times, and I said it ain't going to happen. No one's going uh, to do that to me. And as you say, uh, as you write, then word trickles that Adratus has approached multiple players with the proposition. Some players had taken him up on it, and it created, uh, you describe. Uh, what maybe what was described to you by the players as a sim- simmering unease within the team, correct? Yeah, yeah. I think they they like I said they suspected that something was amiss, um, and that 
it didn't sit right with him. And so how does word circulate? How does word eventually get to the athletic director at the University of Minnesota at the time, Paul Geel? Two different ways from my understanding, and, and that's not to say that these are the only two people that went to him, but these are two people that I was able to identify. Um, one was a former you know, Minnesota hockey player himself, an alum, um, Kevin Hartzell, who was Mike Sachs' coach with the St. Paul Vulcans. Um, he heard not about Sachs, actually, but um, about you know some players on the team, um, but promised them that, you know, he'd never betray their confidence. But, you know, obviously being sickened and horrified by what was taking place, um, went right to Paul Gill and, and, and said, hey, listen, this is what's going on. I'm not going to tell you who it is because I'm going to honor that person's privacy and confidentiality and, and honor my word to them. Um, but you need to know this is going on. And... Um, also, um, Tony Cowan, um, who, as you said, is quoted in the yeah. article, also went to Paul Gill and said, this is what's happening, you need to be aware, um, and made it very clear that you know they did not want Adratus to return. At which point, Gill does what? Tells him that he, he's got to give him a call and, and he'll never see him again. So he, he'll be out of there. So he's dismissed. But there's no, as far as we know, there's no follow-up on that. It's just he's going to go away, go on to the next place, right, that we just want to get Again, rid I, of I can't, I can't say that with any clarity. Um, right. Paul Giel passed away. Um, right. So it's impossible to ascertain whether or not he passed word along, whether sure. he documented that. Um, I did request Adratus' personnel file in any disciplinary complaints that were made against him um, and the school's retention policy is seven years that they and they didn't have those records available. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Oh, um, so I, I don't want to draw mm-hmm. conclusions um, that are based on speculation. The, the, the difficult part, and of course you lead this, the piece with, you bring the, the story much further further forward uh, than, than we're talking about the mid-80s here. September 2018, the uh, Robert Morris University men's hockey team, the, their season opener is less than two weeks away, and Adratus, as you write, abruptly grabs his bags, leaves the locker room, doesn't tell the players anything before exiting. Uh, no one in the administration informs them why he has departed. A lot of people have come up had come up at the time with ideas like an emergency situation in in his case um as we bring the 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 story forward what exactly broke after by the way nine years i believe at at robert morris what broke that sort of broke the dam on this particular story so mike Sachs in september of 2018 decided to send a letter to both robert morris university where adratus was coaching and the american college hockey association um, as well, detailing um, in, in very specific details um, 
what he said was, you know, 20 months worth of abuse. And um, the next, that, that letter per sort of safe sport policies was, was funneled up through USA Hockey and Safe Sport. And so Safe Sport immediately launched um, an investigation um, into Adratus. And according to the school, once presented with those allegations and that pending investigation, Adratus decided to resign. And the recurring theme, and we, we tend to see these themes recur on these sorts of stories, is that sometimes when schools or institutions find out what they believe might be egregious behavior, uh, illegal behavior uh, as well, that they're more interested in either just getting it off their plate than they are pursuing it in a way that might actually end that individual's opportunity to continually abuse, correct? Is that part of one of the lessons for you from this story? Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head that um, in every every one of these stories that I've covered, and I've covered a few, um, institutional protectionism is almost always an element um, of the equation. And, um, you know, I think... As more and more comes out, um, I think, I hope, people are learning that, um, you know, these situations need to be dealt with um, in a way that's transparent and expedient and that breeds accountability. Um, and I think too often in the past we've seen that sort of institutional protectionism, which is what um, can allow people like this to thrive and sort of go and operate undetected for years and sometimes decades. So, you know, if you read the piece that I wrote, um, I certainly delve into that, um, you know, on on sort of a different level with, with each stop that you've made. Uh, well, obviously, you, you attempted to contact uh, Adratas. Is he saying anything? Uh, has he had any reaction now that the... the, the the story has now hit the athletic website. What can you tell us about where he's at right now? I haven't spoken to him since the story ran. Um, we always offer um, someone in his position the opportunity to respond to, to any and all um, allegations, and he did so with a blanket denial. And do, what, do we know where he even is? He's obviously not working in the in the hockey community at this point. Any sort of coaching role, is that correct? That's correct. I mean, he's, he's currently ineligible um, from participating in any USA right. member club or USA-sanctioned capacity. Now, there's nothing to necessarily preclude him from you know, running a private goalie school, as he used to do, or providing private lessons. Um, but... From everything that I can discern and also property records, it appears that he lives in Florida. Um, I have not been given any indication that he is involved in hockey in any way still. Um, so that's probably the best answer that I can provide and, at this point. And your story, based on your own investigation, we're talking about a pattern that literally spans decades, correct? Uh, yes, yeah, so at least. Um, at least a decade. I think the earliest documented um, or disclosure to me was in the early 80s and then um, 
the latest was in 96. So more than a decade. A little more than a decade. Probably a more appropriate way to characterize it, yes. And he resigned once faced with an investigation by Safe Sport, which is uh, a central, you write, a central clearinghouse that investigates sexual abuse and misconduct within the USOC's national governing governing bodies. W- what can you tell me about Safe Sport? Yeah, so it's an organization that's relatively new, um, and anyone that's a member of USA Hockey will have had to go through Safe Sport training. Um, you know, they provide materials and and um, training resources to spot you know all sorts of misconduct beyond sexual misconduct. But um, they there is a US center. Um, for safe sport, which acts as an investigative body, a central clearinghouse, so that any report or complaint made about sexual misconduct or abuse or misbehavior um, is immediately funneled to them. And so they are tasked with investigating all of those and um, imposing uh, decisions that lead to discipline ranging from suspensions to um, permanent bans or sanctions. You also write that um, that the details uh, surrounding uh, Adratus's exit at the University of Minnesota, for example, that, 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 that rumors had circulated within what you describe as the insular hockey community for decades. Is that what you learned as well, that, that the, there were stories out there without anybody necessarily working to confirm them or, or get very specific with them, but this stuff was quote-unquote out there for a while? Absolutely. It was very much treated as an open secret about why he left Minnesota and um, under what circumstances and what the rumor was that he did. Um, and I don't know what sort of due diligence was done on behalf of the all of the organizations that hired him um, on subsequent steps. But to characterize it as an open secret, I think, would be fair and appropriate. Where does this go legally, or where can it go legally? That's a great question. Um, and I know that multiple of um, his for, former players that have spoken to me have... Um, you know, I guess, um, explored the possibility of criminal charges. However, um, most of them are outside of the statute of limitations. Um, So that can be a prohibitive factor. You know, one thing I think it's always critical for people to understand, and I, I always try to stress this, is I think the average age of disclosure for a male is um, around the age of 50. Um for sexual abuse, and um, unfortunately, our statute of limitations laws don't always reflect that reality and, and um, serve that reality. And so, um, and you know, they are without outside of that statute of limitations. Um, but it's certainly possible that there are others out there um, who might be within the statute of limitations and might feel emboldened to come forward or. Um, report that to someone. I, I don't know if that's the direction this story will go, but I will certainly be following in the case that it does. We've kept you too long. Just a couple last things. We are chatting with uh, Katie Strang from The Athletic about her extraordinarily well-reported piece on uh, former players, hockey players, saying a Chicago-area hockey coach sexually abused them, and there's also a large uh, uh, Minnesota piece uh, connection to this story as well. Um, you, you, you've. These are tough stories to report. 
Um, but you've done it. And what's interesting is I'm wondering if it strikes you as someone who's in the middle of this. I'm on the outside looking in, but what strikes me is the the similar similarities here that that where we're whether we're talking about um, the Catholic Church or we're talking about coaches, it 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 invariably or doesn't have to be only this way, but it often seems to be a situation in which the authority figure, whether you're talking about a priest or you're talking about a coach, figures out a way to take via grooming full advantage of that power advantage that he has and that that is the entree that starts the pattern that ends in this kind of tragedy. Absolutely, and I think that's a really, you know, astute observation that you make and a very critical thing to hammer home. Um, What I try to do in these stories is make it very clear that um, we do a disservice to sexual abuse survivors and and victims when we portray um, predators as boogeymen. They're not. Um, Oftentimes they look like your neighbor or a teacher or a family friend. Um, And so when we portray them as, you know, the the guy in a trench coat that um, pops out from behind the bushes, we're, we're training people to try to spot the wrong thing. Um, and it's really important for people to understand um, that it is often people in positions of trust and authority um, who violate, you know, very important boundaries when it comes to their contact with minors and, and kids and, and players. Um, and they're able to do so precisely because of that trust, because of, you know, their cachet within a certain community or yep. infrastructure um, or, or, or power dynamic. That's the true evil of it, no question. Uh, last item for you, because obviously Mike Sachs is very central to this piece, and he was uh, very willing to give you, man, I, to, 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 for him to reveal what he is alleging here could not possibly have been easy. And, of course, you mentioned he had sent the letter as well. What, what is that process like for you as the reporter? What did you observe in him, and how is he doing now? Um, he's doing really well. Um, you know, he's a hockey player. He's really tough. Um, and he's really strong and, you know, remarkably courageous to have done this. And I can tell you that it's been a really long journey for him. Um, but he wanted to do this because he did not want anyone else to endure, you know, the trauma and the pain that he has suffered, um, for decades. And, and, and that's what motivated him to, to come forward. And again, you mentioned the insular world of hockey. You could see the insular world of sports. For individuals, there is that the reluctance, in, I think in part sometimes of coming forward, is the obvious of, well, I, people are going to make fun of me, or how did you not figure this out sooner? Or what's the embarrassment factor, whether that is fair or not, has to play a part in why sometimes kids like this are reluctant to come forward, right? That they got taken, they should have figured it out, and they're going to be made fun of, which I think makes it all the more courageous that, that he's willing to, to lay it all out on the line and, and to, to try to bring this individual to some measure of accountability. Yeah, I agree, and I think that was absolutely um, something that Mike was well aware of, that by doing this, um, he would subject himself to potential ridicule and shame, 
and um, <clears throat> nastiness. And what I'm really happy about is that so far today, since <clears throat> the story has published, he's received quite the opposite. He's received a lot of support, <clears throat> a lot of positivity, a lot of compassion. <clears throat> and so um, I hope that continues. Okay. I really do. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.